we always have this saying between us, like if we always try to find a way to for someone else to take care of the kids, like a, like a babysitter or daycare or whatever, like why why we have why do we have kids then? Mm-hmm. Like the the whole purpose of having kids is to spend time with the kids, and that's true. Mm-hmm. At the same time, there's time that you need for yourself, yeah, as well as for your work. Welcome to the Future Podcast. I'm Chris Doe, your host, and I'm joined today, as always, with my producer, Greg Gunn. Hey, Greg. Hello, Chris. I, I didn't get any sort of uh, quippy adjective to describe me today. I'm, I'm okay with that, though. Are you? We can do it again if you like. I guess not. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling insecure <laughs> about that. <laughs> okay. So what, what are we talking about today? We have Robert Hernitsky on the on the podcast. Yeah. He's a friend of mine that I met in real life, and it's He's one of those old school social media guys, and he's really well known and beloved within the motion design scene. Oh, that's awesome! So it's kind of like reverse social media. It's it's real life friends. So you didn't start as internet friends and then become friends in the real world. Yeah, he knows people like for real. Like shook hands with them, had dinner with them, and he's he's that kind of guy. Like once you meet him, you, you feel like you've known him for a long time. He's very genuine and warm. Very cool. Fans of our channel might recognize the name Robert Ranitsky, and that's because he's been on the YouTube channel. And since then, he and I talk about lots of things, and we thought it'd be a good idea to share our thoughts on family and work-life balance. We both have kids. We both have a partner. He's got a partner, I have a wife. And we're just trying to figure out how we both manage to be able to do the work that we need to do and yet not be strangers in our own household. I think a lot of us would would empathize with that. I, I, I struggle with that myself and I have been working in the creative industry forever. So I'm, I'm very curious to hear what you guys have uh, talked about. Yeah. So I didn't know what to expect to, cause he lives uh, across the planet, right? He lives in Germany somewhere and he, I think he lives in Munich and just like, what's, what's it like to be in Munich and how's that different than the way that we do things here in California and our, our values and principles different? If you really want to know how it is to work in this industry, to be a creative individual and balance work and life, please enjoy this conversation with Robert Ranitsky. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Uh, So my name is Robert Ranitsky and I work as a freelance creative running my own design studio in Munich, Germany. And I specialize and focus on motion design, but also do traditional graphic design and do a lot of public speaking and teaching here and there. Mm-hmm. You're also a model from what I can see from Wacom's ads. So that's part of your credentials now. And fans <laughs> of the show, fans of the show know who you are because they've seen you on YouTube. So if you're new to us and, and you find this conversation to be super interesting, I highly encourage you to go back and watch those two episodes. But for everybody else that's new, welcome aboard. And on today's episode, we're going to talk a lot about work-life balance and how two family men, you and I, or people who have families, how you manage an active career. So the way we're going to talk about this is we're going to first just jump into like, what was life like for you prior to having kids and having a family? Like just the, the work you, the young person who's really driven, ambitious. What was that like? What was that life like for you? Well, life before kids was certainly massively different in in many ways. I was doing the the traditional hustle all day, every day, as much as I can. I, I have I have the fortunate position to to love my work, you know, like just as you and any or hopefully most of, of creative people love love their work and, and I don't take this for granted. I always thought it's 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 a privilege to just go in and, and be excited to create something new and, and always be challenged to learn a new tool or a new technique or try this or try that. So I was I was working a lot and I didn't really consider it as work, although I found it to be strenuous at times, especially during my internship in Hamburg, where I essentially went from for example, from doing five times a week sports to once in six months and also having the fridge with things 
not looking so well after a few days or weeks, you know, mm-hmm. so um, this was a time of, of uh, late shifts and working really long hours and this was during my studies. So this carried over after, even after I finished my studies and moved to Munich. So I was working super late night. I was always a, a late, late night person. You know, I have still have trouble getting off, uh, getting, getting up in the morning and really get the engine going. So I was more like, okay, yeah, let's, let's start work from 10, 11, something like this way into the night. And, and this is where I thrived really, you know, was no email and no, no phone and nothing. Uh, it's 2 a.m., 3 a.m., the best ideas pop up. Oh, let's try this technique. So, um, yeah, I was, I was working really long hours and learned a lot doing, doing that and uh, really appreciated that time a lot. How old were you? How, how was your time? Wait, before? Yeah, my, I want to share, share some of my experiences, but how old my, were you my, and what year is this? Just so everybody gets a sense of where we are in history. So right now I'm 40. Um, I was... Hang on, I was 15. I was 25 during my internship. Um, I graduated, I think I was 26 or 27 when I graduated from, from university. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but I, st- I started work and, and freelancing even before I studied. So I think right after um, doing my, my what, what would be the equivalent of high school, mm-hmm. uh, I think uh, at 20, um, I, I started basically uh, to freelance uh, before studying. So this this went on from twenty to uh, thirty five, I would say. So mm-hmm. uh, our oldest is now five years. I was thirty five when he was born. So uh, I think for about yeah for about fifteen years the hustle was pretty intense, right? Um, and a lot of fun too, but <laughs> so different to today. Right. You know? A lot of long nights, right? So when you say you're working and and being inspired at two in the morning. What what is a typical day like when when you get up when you go to sleep and did you do this five days a week or seven days a week? Back in the days, back in the day, back in the day, um, it was it was much more unstructured. Um, it was it was it's funny actually because you know when I was younger it was basically like you would say living the dream of a freelancer you know doing. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just, you know, not, not giving a damn, you know, still, of course, being disciplined and, and getting, getting stuff done and, you know, finishing the projects on time. Of course, this was, this was obvious and, and an absolute necessity, but still um, going onto the basketball court, playing basketball, um, coming back late in the afternoon, working. So it was not really, it was not really a schedule. It was like going with the flow and just doing oh. whenever inspiration hits me. And mm-hmm. um, so it was... Mostly I try to work five, five days a week, but for me, weekends weren't as holy as they are right now. You know, yeah. like it was, yeah, you know what? It was Saturday. Hey, someone has a cool idea. We can, we can do something with UV lights and fluorescent colors and we can film it in close up. and yeah, let's do that on a Saturday. No one is going to bother. And yeah, it was just, you know, whenever, whenever you want and whenever inspiration and, and you know, the muse hit you, whenever right. that was. It sounded like you were just living in the moment and and just living to whatever your heart and passion took you. And I think that's a really cool and special period in your life. And of course, all things change. But before we get there, it's like, so I'm getting this now. Whatever you felt inspired to do, you did. If you wanted to play basketball, you would. If you wanted to stay up to four in the morning working on some new technique, you would do that. And you didn't Mm -hmm. have to feel guilty or anything else because it was just about you and your personal and professional development, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay, super. All right. How 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 was it? For, how was it for you? <laughs> Not that different. So okay. When I got out of school in 1995, I started my company just a few months after graduation. And you know, when you start a company, there's a lot of responsibilities. And the kind of company I started, I, I almost had a staff almost from the, from the jump. When I got wow. work and okay. there was more work to do than I could do, I immediately just reached out to people and started to bring them in. It wasn't full-time, but it was full-time freelance people working for me kind of very mm-hmm. early on. That meant that the hustle game was really strong. Now, I do want to tell you this because eventually, a couple of years after, I did get married and I was working um, with my friend, then my girlfriend, then she became my wife. But for those first, I think, five years, I didn't take any holidays there was no vacation. It was just work all the time. If I wasn't mm-hmm. working on a project, 
I was either reading or developing myself as a person. So there was a lot of things I needed to learn about motion design, about title design, about even how to structure a company and the technical mm-hmm. aspects. Like back in the day, because this is 1995, when we were able to connect two computers together and share a printer, <laughs> my mind was like blown, you know, because this is like <laughs> yeah. Apple Talk. This is not even Ethernet. And we're just hooking yeah, yeah. things up. And so that was my life, just spending time reading Macworld magazine, just thumbing through things and seeing like, oh, I need a router. That's what a router does. So I was our own IT person, delivery boy. I, I was the designer, the art director. Every role that had to be fulfilled, I did them all. So we're mm-hmm. talking about some serious nights. And just to like echo what you said, there were nights when I was literally tending the rendering because it took so long to render back in the day. Computers were not fast enough. And I would just wake up every couple hours, check the rendering and fall asleep on the floor next to mm-hmm. my computer. It was pretty rough. And, and that, that was the hustle grind life. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, the, 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 the machine, the fan noise, I mean, it can be very soothing. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> White noise. Yeah, 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 right? totally. Yeah, that, that's, that must be, that, hang on, 95, that was even, yeah. what was that, Mecca was 7 or something like this, Mecca was 8 or... Oh, I don't like, even know. It's pretty ancient, man. I, and that was After Effects 2 or 3 or something like this, Yes, right? like, it was. The first After wow. Effects I used was made by Kosa, not even by yeah, Adobe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Nice. So we're talking yeah, about like well, Quadra, is it the Quadras? Quadra 700, Quadra 900. It was like in that era. Before that, the no, G3s came even now. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. We're, we're talking about ancient technology here. But but you know what? It's funny because that's a, that's a similarity that we have or like a, like a parallel, what do you call it? Like, um, uh, yeah, that's a similarity that we that we share because you learned... Like you said, you learned how to how to set up a router, how to set up this, how to set up that, um, like the hard way because you had to do it because there was no one else that to, that was you know doing this for you. So you have all this background knowledge of how to do things, you know, getting your hands dirty and not just being like, oh, I'm the fancy designer, I'm coming in, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not gonna open up any tools, I'm just gonna have wild ideas and I have my slaves that are gonna execute it for me. Yeah, you know, so. I think it's good to have that background and technical foundation as well. Honestly, if I could have afforded it or knew exactly how to do these things, I would have paid for it, but I didn't have the money. So a lot of this is just about pure necessity. And right. I, 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 I may come across to some of our audience as a hoity-toity designer now, kind of in the ivory tower, looking down at the minions, working at stuff. But there's still this part of me that grew up as a first-generation immigrant who didn't have any money, so at times at the office, I'm picking up trash. I'm just, I just do what needs to be done. And that's mm-hmm. the stuff that people don't talk about or see, but I just get the job done and that's all I care about. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay, let's talk about the transition now. Okay, so we know, I think a lot of people identify and understand this. And sadly for some people, I shouldn't say sadly, but it is the case for some people who now are married, who have kids, who are still living the grind hustle life. And mm-hmm. so they, they haven't changed. I mean, this is how they define themselves. And that's their decision. That's prerogative. I don't want to be sitting here being too judging. But let's go into the next phase. Like when you have your first child, how does that change you? Does it change you? And what adjustments do you start to make? Well, when when our first child was born, this was obviously like the the biggest, massive, dramatic most beautiful, most intense, most strenuous change uh, in our lives, to be honest. It's um, it's something that I couldn't have envisioned, really. And although a lot of people said and told this and you read about and you try to prepare as much as you can. And and then when when the kid is there, all of a sudden it's it's even more different than you could imagine your wildest dreams in 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 many aspects, um, in, in the bad aspects, as well as in the beautiful aspects. And I like pretty much instantly knew that, okay, this, this, the way, the way I lived my, my life or the way we lived our lives has to, has to adjust to that. And the other thing that was, that pretty much immediately happened was when, when I held him, uh, in my arms was this shift of, um, responsibility and um the shift also of of what is important in life and all of a sudden everything else apart from family became secondary it was kind of weird because 
before it was just like hustle and grind and make the most beautiful animation and every pixel perfect and earn as much money as you can because I don't know, you just need money and you just want to output your, your best work. And, but all of a sudden, you know why you're doing this. All of a sudden, this, this purpose was there that you, that you could see so clearly. And all of a sudden you were like, yeah, of course, I want to, I want to provide for this little human being. Um, and this was funny. All of a sudden it was like an epiphany. Um, you realize like, this is, this is why, this is why you do this. You know, this is, this is beautiful. You know, I can, I can do something that I like and get money and provide for the family at the same time. But the catch was to find the balance of spending time with the family and spending time with work. And obviously I think one of the biggest changes was realizing the value of time. I mean, you always say money is, you know, time is money and money is time. And it's, it's more like a, for me, it was like a, like a blah, blah, blah thing, because you have, it seemed as a young, as a young person, time is the relative, right? I mean, it seems like you have unlimited time on your hands, you know, like how much time can you spend? You know, we're just sitting on the couch, like, Oh, what, what I'm going to do now with my time, you know, damn. And, and, and now all of a sudden it's like, wow, you have a half an hour for yourself. Oh my gosh, this is, such a precious time and 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 I would say there's no moment in your life when at least for me it was the case and and uh, or for us when you realize that all of a sudden holy it's time is really really precious and how little time you have never before have I have I figured it out so dramatically as after the first and especially after the second child <laughs> so um he came he came two years um after our firstborn um was born so it was it was an even more dramatic change so it sounds to me robert that having your child gave you a kind of focus and clarity on time and how you were using it or sometimes maybe misusing it because mm-hmm. now there was a consequence if you mismanage a project if you procrastinate if you took on a bad client or weren't clear on the objectives, you had to spend more time fixing something versus spending time with your partner and your children, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. And and also it was it was kind of like the, the you could feel the pressure. And for me, it was it was a lot of times, and and today still is. Um, it's almost numbing to to feel that pressure. You know, being being running your own business, running your own studio, is is not easy. I mean, not uh, things are going well, but it's not like it's not like apples are falling from the tea, and you just have to catch the projects. You know, right? It's it's a hustle. Still is. I'm very fortunate that things are going well, but I don't take it for granted. But at the same time, knowing like when things could, would go south, it's it's uh, it's pretty tricky. I mean, we have a good social system here in Germany, thankfully, but still, it's kind of like wow. Okay, you you really think twice about messing up a project. Uh, whereas before it was like, well, you know, if I mess it up, it's just pixels. It still is pixels. You know, we're not, we're not doctors. We're not going to save lives here, but at the same time, um, the, the importance and, and the value of a project and, and of your work is, is shifting. You, you, um, you have a partner and does your partner is, is, is her, responsibility to take care of the kids or does she also work tell me about mm-hmm. the home dynamic that you have yeah that's a good question so um uh her name is marina so marina and and i we decided to have um so we decided to split the time so it's it's not the perfect way that we did it i don't want to pretend that we we are, or i am the he knows it all and this is the right way this was our way and this worked for you so this is why we're sharing it so maybe it will help other uh, people as well. So the way we decided to do it was, first of all, I, I took a few weeks off after birth. Um, and I think a week before birth as well, I was taking it a bit slower. And um, then uh, when when he was born, um, I think I was home for three or four weeks, maybe even more. I don't remember quite exactly. Um, so 
we wanted to spend a lot of time, like the, the magical first couple of weeks, um, just as a family to, you know, settle in as a family, get, get, get to know this little, this little wonder and, and yeah, just, just spend quality time, not, not rush back to work. At the same time, we also decided that, um, that Marina will, will take two years off from work. So in Germany, you, you are allowed to have, um, uh, so-called, it's called parents' time, Elternzeit. Um, so you get, you get, uh, some payment for, for a year, or you can split that payment, um, in two years. So you, you will still have the same amount, but you can have it in one year or you can split it for two years. And we decided to do that. So I knew that the pressure was on me to, to provide, um, more because there was only one income coming in for two years. But for us, it was important to, to have full two years for our kid, uh, where he's getting the full attention of at least one parent, and at the same time, I try to, at the same time, I try to to do the the, the balance between work and getting enough work done and earning enough money for all three of us, but at the same time, spend time with the family. So it was it was like juggling, and and it was hard and it was difficult. It still is today until today. But this was our decision to do so. And uh, when our second kid came uh, two years later, we did the same thing over again. Um, so we wanted to have another two years. It was not a full two years, but um, we we said it has to be fair in some regard. And um, obviously um, uh, the older went to the kindergarten after almost three years. So two years and eight months, I think he went to kindergarten. So almost three. Um, so this took some pressure off, uh, you know, because in the mornings you would have time to take care for the baby and, uh, you know, run errands and do some housework. And so this was obviously a lot of help. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, same thing uh, for two years for the, for the little one. And now she started to work, uh, like almost a year ago. So she's working half day and uh, four days a week. So uh, Friday she's off taking care of the family and herself and the house. Um, and yeah, this, this is how we balance it. Um, it works pretty good for us, I must say. It's certainly not the best way or the perfect way or the right way, but for us, it works. Sometimes mm -hmm. better, sometimes not so good. <laughs> well, let, but it's, let, let me, it's let me a open up the bandage a little bit and talk about the ways that it doesn't work. Right. Uh, because I think... We can all sit back and say, look, everything worked out just fine. But I think there's a lot to learn in mm -hmm. those points of tension or friction that exists. So I, I'm, I'll share mine with you in a little bit. But please, with, with you, we're, having a child is like a seismic shift in your life and your priorities. You've already said that. But it also affects the dynamic between you and your partner, between you and Marina. So can you talk a little bit about how emotionally... Uh, things had changed or expectations or anything like that so that we can understand some of the, the challenges that you had to overcome? Um, frankly, the biggest challenge for her and um, my biggest appreciation for her at the same time is that she essentially gave up her, her career. Mm -hmm. um, she was, she still is working in marketing. Um, she's, she's a very, clever woman and a very smart woman and she was still is very good at her job but obviously going up the career ladder uh, pretty much stalled after almost like a four-year break so and also you will not you know you will not be crazy successful if you only work four days a week half a day so she, I basically she took that cut and she said, okay, yeah, uh, you know, screw the career family first. And, and this is something, I mean, she, she studied, um, two topics, um, and all this basically more or less goes down the drain. Um, so this, this is a big sacrifice that she's doing and I appreciate that. And sometimes I have to pinch myself and remind myself and, um, you know, again, not take these things for granted and, and, and be more appreciative of her giving up her career at the same time, supporting me as much as I can to, you know, support me and me chasing my career, which means I'm not chasing the career as I was five or 10 years ago. So obviously for me, it's, it's also, I kind of had to settle with 
all right so this this is it basically i mean i'm not gonna be the ceo of the biggest and best design company in the world i'm not gonna be the best designer in the world and and i kind of accepted that uh, i'm still trying to be the best me i can and and still try to be the best designer I, i can be and still try to improve and learn every day and Just as we had in our conversations on your YouTube channel, I'm still trying to build new things and learn new things, but at a different pace. And um, and I just have to accept that and roll with it. When you said that your your partner, Marina, had to sacrifice her career and her basically all the time that she put into her education and her life so that she can be a mom to your two kids, did she accept that like this is what I want to do with my life or this is the compromise I have to make because I think depending on the individual they have a different attitude about that I think a little bit of both mm. to be honest um it's funny what what nature does to especially to to moms or mm-hmm. to any human being but um it's like instinct sets in um she she's she has very huge motherly instincts you know for her it's 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 a lot of instinct and It's, it's like a heart versus mind thing, you know, when the heart is, is like a full on mother and sometimes the mind goes like, oh yeah, this would be nice and this would be nice. So it's, it's kind of like a mind versus heart fight sometimes. Uh, the same for me, not, not to the same extent, obviously, but, um, but it's, it's certainly not easy. I mean, um, there's no regrets and nothing. We always have this saying between us, like if we always try to find a way to for someone else to take care of the kids like a, like a babysitter or daycare or whatever like what why we have why do we have kids then mm-hmm. like the, the whole purpose of having kids is to spend time with the kids and that's true mm-hmm. at the same time there's time that you need for yourself yeah as well as for your work because it doesn't help anyone if you're not not happy you know if if you If you spend 110% time with your kids, but you don't take care of your own needs and your own desires, maybe just, I don't know, play a game or do sports or research for a project, maybe an hour longer that makes you happy, um, then then by all means, you should do that. Um, so this is something that is sometimes a little bit difficult uh, between us to, to find the perfect way of, of how much time each one gets versus how much time we spend with and for the kids. But we're trying to balance it as, as good as we can. So we always remind ourselves, so, hey, we wanted to have kids. This is why we have kids. So just, you know, spend time with the kids, you know, because mm-hmm. it's fun and, and, and it is fun. It's So it's always reminding ourselves of, hey, you know, it's, it's, it's perfect the way it is. We just need to find a way um, to make it all work. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Hey, Greg Gunn from the future here. That's right, it's me again. Now the future's mission is to teach 1 billion creatives how to make money doing what they love without feeling gross about it. Now, maybe you're in school, but you feel like you're not getting what you need. Or maybe you're like me and sold all of your internal organs to pay for private art school tuition. But you know, it's been a while and you want to sharpen up some of those skills. Well, fortunately for you, we have a bunch of courses and products designed specifically to help you become a smarter and more versatile creative. Design courses like typography, logo design, and color for creatives go deep into the design fundamentals that you need to know and command in order to be successful. Check out all of our courses and products about learning design by visiting thefuture.com slash design. Welcome back to our conversation with Robert Renitsky. Did you guys have this conversation prior to having your first child to go through the roles, the scenarios, expectations? Uh, in parts we did. Yeah. So we, we decided about how much, you know, how much time she's going to be off from work and that I'm going to be the sole provider during that time. And, um, but not to the extent as, as it is right now, because 
like I said before, you couldn't you couldn't plan it. You couldn't envision how much time this is going to take, how much how much longer it's going to take to get out of the house. <laughs> you know, just you know, you're invited to some friends, or you are just going out for you know for lunch with a family, and how much longer it takes, you know, to pack in the diapers, to pack in little glasses <laughs> with the food back then when he was a baby, and, right? And you know, get the little the stroller into the car and. Jesus, you know, strap the kid in and how long all this takes. It was like, we, we figured, oh yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be taking off in 15 minutes. And you know what? It was 30. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how it was for you, but for us, it was like, oh my God, you know, this takes longer than we expected. And, and this was with many things. So in parts we planned and some things worked out the way we planned and some things were dramatically more different. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think if you got uh, out of the house 15 minutes after you had planned, you're doing pretty good. You're winning at the parenting game because there were days I have a strong willed child. And when he was, I think, four years old, he decided he doesn't want to go places. So this was now beyond just packing and getting things in the car. It's just like he's going to insist that he stays home. So he was crying and screaming and yelling for half an hour. Like he's wow. like, I don't want to go and I don't want you to go. So those are two options that were not available, right? So we, we had to go through that. And that really tested our parenting skills, my patience, my self-control, my self-worth, self-esteem. Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's like when, when he was going through these phases where he was really just kind of an emotional ball of fire and energy... Mm -hmm. And there was no reasoning with him. It it really just made me think to myself, like, I'm not cut out for this. I'm not a good father. This is not working. And I mm -hmm. had thoughts like that where I was thinking, I did not sign up for this. So I mm -hmm. feel, I feel deep empathy for parents who have to raise a, a child that has a learning disorder or something else, some, some kind of disability mm -hmm. that take what I went through and multiply that by a thousand because mm -hmm. then these are just a normal everyday struggle. And for them, it may get a little bit better, but this is the life that they're now committed to. Whereas mm -hmm. luckily, I, I went to a family therapist and got some coaching on this. And it really changed how I thought about myself. And, and, and I got really good practical skills to apply to my children to be a better parent. And that's interesting. So what, because we're having a similar um phase right now you yeah. know the little one is three and a half and the big one is five and a half and and this emotional ball of fire <laughs> we we have that sometimes i mean just just this morning yeah i don't i don't want to go to kindergarten i'm like jesus you know we're, we're running late already and i'm like how so in the morning we we, we split it up I, I bring the kids to kindergarten and marina picks them up so this is how we we split things mm -hmm. so i can work longer um she takes off earlier so this is how we split that up and that works pretty well. But I'm alone in the morning and and oh boy, when when he is when he has a will and he says he doesn't want to go or he wants to pick, I don't know, he wants to bring a toy and it's not bring your toy day. Whew, I have <laughs> discussions. <laughs> and, and sometimes I, I totally relate to what you said. You were like, Wow, I feel like I've I've not signed up to this. Like I'm, uh, what what can I do? I'm like, really, my nerves are, are down, and I'm, I I just don't know what to do. Like I'm feeling this is this is the end. You know, I'm, <laughs> I, I succumb to this. You know, this yeah, is this like is I give up. Like what what right. can I do? And so what what did your what did the therapy tell you? What was the magic? Oh, thing? okay, yes. Uh, now we can get into this. So, I went to see a specialist. She does family therapy. So my wife and I, we show up, we talk about a scenario situation, and then she gives us some reasons as to why what's happening so that she helps us to peer underneath the emotion as we're now detached from the experience. It gives us a lot of clarity. And then she gives us very practical advice. So in the instance of, so here's the things that we've learned from her. One is that children like attention. It doesn't matter if it's good attention or bad attention. Attention is what they want. So when you withhold that from them, it changes certain ideas. So the, the worst possible way to deal with a child who's having a, a tantrum is to give them more attention. That's exactly what they desire. So sometimes <clears throat> my wife and my, my oldest, 
they would get into some kind of disagreement and both of them were going to go to thermonuclear war. It, it, I can just hear it from the other room. It starts out civil, an accusation is thrown, it goes back and forth, and each side digs into their trench. And the next thing I know, there's a lot of yelling and screaming, and then somebody storms off into their room and slams the door, and it's just like yelling and crying uncontrollably for a really long time. So I would try to be the peacekeeper and come in and say, look, hey, what's going on? And then my son would just yell at me. It's like, get out of here. And I was like, hey, are you okay? And he's like, I don't love you. I don't want you. Get out. I was like, okay. So that hurt me. Mm-hmm. I know he didn't mean these things, but, but it, it hurt me. It hurt because, mm-hmm. you know, what? I don't care what people say. Words do hurt. Mm-hmm. So I go and tell the therapist this, and she's like, here's the thing. Why do you want to check in on him? I said, because I want to make sure he's safe and he's okay. And I want to show him that I care, that mm-hmm. I'm not just ignoring him. And she exactly said, the same on this. Exactly same, the same way. Same. Right? 100%. So this advice is going to save you 100 bucks at the therapist, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> so she says to me, here's what you do. You go, you knock on the door, you go into the room, and to say, first, you, you take away his power, which is, I'm here to check in on you. I'm going to leave as soon as I see that you're okay. And now that I see you're okay, I want to let you know, when you're ready to talk to me, I'll be in the other room. And then just walk mm-hmm. out. You take away all his power. You give him none of the tension that he craves and desires. You're not going to engage in it. And I walked away. And I was like, that's going to work? She's like, try it. Mm-hmm. I don't even understand the theory behind all this stuff. I just, I'm a good student. So I just do exactly as I'm told. Knock on the door. I go in, say the exact same thing. I leave. And you can almost set your watch to it. Like three minutes, two minutes, one minute. He's done. Slowly, door opens. He walks out as if nothing has ever happened, and he's totally cool. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe how powerful that advice was, because mm-hmm. he can go for hours. Wow. Your, your child's okay. will, if you have a strong-willed child, will be stronger than yours. And what happens is you cave. You give them what they want. You mm-hmm. agree to give them the toy or the pizza or whatever it is that they want, and then learn over time, if I do this, I get this result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I know not to do that. So we learned it. We learned this the hard way. Um, like, but I was always like the <clears throat> excuse me. I was always like the give in person. Like, yeah. oh look, he's he's crying. Oh, he's so sweet. Right. I, I I learned not to be that much anymore. Uh, sometimes I am, but mm-hmm. um, it was a learning process for me as well to to learn not to give in, which is important because then they're gonna use you and abuse it. And every time they want something, they're just gonna put on the crying face or whatever and then oh, you give in and you always you will be on the losing end so yes but that's a good idea with um with a the knock and and you know just say you know i'm here for you and just leave calmly yeah you just tell them ahead of time so they can't tell you to get out you see so i'm just checking in on you i'm gonna leave in a minute i just want to let you know uh, mm-hmm. that i'm here for you when you're done and that I care about you. And just walk out the door mm-hmm. he can't even say anything because his brain is like this is like shock and awe Mm-hmm. Right, you just come in. It's a blitzkrieg. You go in, you do your thing, and you leave. And they can't. They don't even have enough time to process what's happened mm-hmm. until later, and then mm-hmm. that's when they start to calm down. And that's it. Because before I try to rationalize, like, hey, what'd you say to mom? And when she said this, she meant this, and and then they would just go nuts on you. So here's mm-hmm. another thing I learned from my my therapist, which is children find comfort and safety in knowing that somebody's in charge. This is mm-hmm. a really critical thing. So they find comfort and safety in knowing that somebody's in charge because they know that the world is chaotic and then you become that foundation, the thing that the pillar that holds up the roof and is really, mm-hmm. really important. So she would give me an example, right? And she would say like sometimes the kids might dart off in the parking garage and then you mm-hmm. grab their hand and you say, hey, stick with me. What are, what are you really doing? So she's like, what, what she told me to do this. She's like, Get down on their level and say, like, see, from this point of view, this is what you can see. And then pick them up and Mm -hmm. then hold them at your height. This is what I can see. So Mm -hmm. in two cars from now, you see that person is about to back up. When you're walking through, you're not going to see that. So what I'm trying to do is to keep you safe. So when I say Mm -hmm. stay here and, and stay next to dad, this is all I'm trying to do. So there's a lot of that that's going on. And I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of dad who will sit down and, talk to my four-year-old as if they're a full, fully developed adult. 
I don't want to baby talk them. I don't want mm -hmm. to give them fake reasons because uh, I know growing up, my mom would make up all these reasons, right? She would make up reasons to get me to do stuff like you don't want to do that because your arm will fall off or just something crazy. Mm -hmm. And then over time, what you start to learn as you start to learn about the world is mom just makes up stories. They're not really credible. So I was taking the philosophy and dads do this too. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying in my own personal experience is that I sit down and I really try to explain to the person in real hard facts and logic versus making up a story for an expedient conclusion. So mm -hmm. you will see me sit there and talk about the smallest thing for 30 minutes. And I think I learned that a lot from my dad, just refined mm -hmm. through coaching and through therapy. That's an interest, very interesting point. Um, yeah, I mean, this it's a good point to, to do this going down on their level thing. Um, for example, I, I, it's funny because I learned this from photography because I do a lot of photography and a lot, a lot of kids photography as well. And there was one thing I learned was if you, there's like a total different level of kid photography that you can do if you go down to their eye level. Mm -hmm. Because most of parents do photography from above, you know, like, you know, looking down and taking a photo of the kid from, from up their perspective. But once you really kneel down or even lie down on the floor and be really low on their level, all of a sudden they, they open up and the same thing happens when you talk to them from that level, mm -hmm. because all of a sudden you're, you're on the same level. You're not talking down to them, but you're, you're also talking to them on their level. You get down to them, you look them in, in the eye, they don't have to look up. And, um, but it's actually a really, really good point with, with the car, you know, like, okay, so if you, you know, check out what you see and check out what I see, um, I, I'll try that the next time. Yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a good idea. And, you know, we have a lot of agreements, too, because another thing, too, is uh, being that we are now no longer poor. Like when I grew up, we, we knew better to ask for things. But mm -hmm. because money seems like immaterial now, like people can get whatever they want. We, we, we used to go to the toy store and the kids love going to the toy store. And mm -hmm. their expectation uh, probably set up a little bit because my grand, the grandparents spoiled them. Like whatever you want, you just get. So there's mm -hmm. this expectation that you go in a store and they want this and they start saying, can I buy this? Can I buy this? And I got tired of dealing with that. So we have an agreement. We sit in the car and it's like, this is Toys R Us. We want to go inside, right? We want to spend time looking at things and playing and exploring. And I'm fine with that. But here's the agreement. We're going to go in there and you're not going to ask me for anything. If you do, we're going to leave and we're not going to get to do this again. Are you okay with that? And then they have to think about that. So we have agreement. And so you can learn a lot about client relationships, setting up expectations, <laughs> setting up boundaries, getting alignment and all. So they'll say yes. So in the store, like, Dad, can I? I'm like, you remember, you remember. And I just mm -hmm. remind them to hold them to that. And it's really hard. I could see it on their faces. This mm -hmm. is where my mom would look from behind my shoulder and say her heart's broken to a thousand pieces. And she mm -hmm. sees like little kind of whimpering like, oh, I did agree to this, but I still want it kind of thing. And I say, Mom, I just give her the signal, like, you know, hand across my throat, like, cut that out mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. do not break this and then over time that's how my kids behave mm -hmm. and i, I so you, go ahead so you, your kids are uh, 13 and 10 no, uh, no 13 they're 11? Uh, 15 and Fif 13 now one just turned oh, 15 13. and 13 yeah right 15 and 13 so you mm -hmm. also have the the so it's exactly 10 years between between, between our, our kids. kids yeah yeah and how old are you uh i'm 40 okay i'm almost 50 so see that's I just had my kids a little earlier than you. Right. Yeah. So that's that's another thing. Um, because there's always this question of like when when is the time right to have kids? Um, when is it when is it okay? When are you financially at the level of wanting to have kids? When are you emotionally on the level of being ready for a kid? When when is the perfect time? And we found that there is really no perfect time because mm -hmm. it's there's always something that could be better you could always have a better place to live a better paid job more money i don't know there's always something that could be more perfect and better so right. essentially what it means is the time is now when whenever whenever it is and you just have to work around it the only thing that i was thinking and and, and now that uh you know five years almost six years have passed is that uh, it could have been a little bit earlier mm -hmm. to my personal taste you know i'm i'm still I, I feel younger than i am and i might look younger than i am um but it occurred to me because i love i love doing sports i love basketball and swimming and all this stuff so uh, for me it's like 
man, I want to I wanna do sports with the kids. I want to take them on one-on-one. I want to play against them. I want to run with them. I want to do this with them. I'm going to travel with them. And so uh, I think I'm going to be pretty good at 60, um, uh, still fit. But at the same time, I was like, <laughs> yeah, if, you know, if I would be like 50 or 55, maybe I would have a few more years left on a, on a certain fitness level. So that's the only thing that occurred to me. Um, right. But uh, that, that's also another thing why I, why I stay healthy. You know, that's a motivation. I started basketball training again um, a couple of weeks ago, um, watching my diet more than I did before because I just just thought, you know, I want to be I want to be fit. I want to be a fit dad um, um, in the long run. You know, it's it's not like I'm gonna play on a on a high level. Um, that's not my goal. But it's just like. You know, keeping myself in shape, and Marina is doing the same thing, by the way, right now, and 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 it's good to have to develop that attitude. You know, be able to to have a motivation to be able to be uh, to be fit around and with the kids. Right. I want to talk about a couple of things since you brought this up about when's the right time to have kids, and I'm not saying that anybody needs to have kids, but those of you that are listening to this that are contemplating having kids, I think the way you need to look at it is like this: is that You would not go into business and partner with somebody very lightly. It's a lifelong commitment. And I think I would look at having a child as almost having a partner in life that you're committed to forever in ways that you can never divorce. Like you can separate from your spouse, but you can't really separate from your kids. So this isn't a question of financial security or any other thing. It's just really, are you mentally committed to taking care of somebody and reprioritizing your life. If you're not, don't do it. I also mm -hmm. think about this is that you must have a really strong relationship with your partner, whether you're married or not, because it will test you. If there's a way for it to break, it will break you because mm -hmm. all of a sudden now you don't even have time for each other or yourself. It becomes a new priority that your children are your priority. So I would really seriously think about that because I know some friends that are going through divorces and thank goodness most of them don't have kids together because now your lack of getting along is going to dramatically impact the psychology and emotional well-being of this child. And mm -hmm. I think you have to hold on to that. So I know back in the 50s, uh, there wasn't a lot of love in some relationships and marriages, but they stuck together so that they put the priority in their children. And so until after the kids went off to college, then the parents divorced or did whatever they wanted to do. But they held it together. And I think that's a really important thing. Like you're in this for the 18 years that you've agreed to. It's an 18-year contract. And take mm -hmm. it that seriously. And you talk about priorities of the new priority, which is you used to live for you. In your bachelor self, that's all that mattered. It was kind of hedonistic. You did what you wanted to do. You ate what you wanted to eat. You played as hard as you wanted to play. But it's really interesting now that you kind of are living for a higher purpose, which is not only to be around for your kids, but to be a role model, to be active and to be a participant in their lives, not just a bystander, and mm -hmm. to provide for them. Those are the many things that you're going to do. So I think mm -hmm. that's really interesting. For me, having children changed everything in my mind. Mm -hmm. It made me want to be a better human being. It made mm -hmm. me be more conscientious of the decisions that I'm making because I keep thinking this is the template in which they have to look at, not necessarily follow, but this is one of two of their strongest, most influential sources of information, mom and dad. Mm -hmm. From that, they're going to decide I will follow in this path or move away from it. So it's almost like you have a little person who's recording all of your actions and deeds, and it makes you just that much more self-aware. And I think that if you want to be a good parent, that that's what you have to do. Those are the commitments and sacrifices you have to make. Now, some mm -hmm. of us, some of us, and I admire people who are able to do that, especially the, 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 the parents who put their career on hold, reprioritize and focus on their kids. And I think the word of warning here for, for people who are able to do this, who, who desire to do this, is make sure you don't lose yourself in this process because you're not going to be any good to them either. If mom or dad are miserable feeling this pining for something else, even when you're there in front of your child, they're going to feel that energy. It's hard for you to conceal that all the time. Mm -hmm. So I think you have to be happy, healthy, balanced, loving, 
And that's how you can provide for your kids. So my wife and I, we, we, we made an agreement. Now, there was no hesitation on her part because her ma maternal instincts are very strong and she didn't love working for clients anyways. So the idea of being home, being a home, um, what is that called? A homemaker, caretaker was suited fine for her. It just put a little bit more pressure on me, but I don't feel the pressure because that's how I'm hardwired. So my wife and I, we're very businesslike when it comes to our relationship. Like we're very practical and pragmatic. Chris, you mm -hmm. go to work, you do what you need to do. And I'm not going to sit home texting you like, when are you going to be home? When are you going to be home? And if you have to go and do a talk, I'm not going to say like, oh, you make no time for us. So we mm -hmm. have an amazing, beautiful relationship. It wasn't always like that, but we had a lot of clarity and agreement with what we're going to do. Right. So this developed over time. Yeah, and I have to say that before we had kids, I think it's, I, I've noticed this a lot in relationships. About five years into a relationship, you go through a really rough patch. So mm -hmm. we went through a rough patch of like explosive arguments, disagreements, taking each other for granted. And then it's a make it or break it mo moment for us. And those, mm -hmm. that year of searching and discovering allowed us to find ourselves and to recalibrate and balance. And I wanted mm -hmm. to make sure that was in place before we even talked about having kids. Because mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is to bring up a child in a super toxic, unloving, hateful environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good point. And, and also it really struck me what you said with the, with the, um, with the point of, of refocusing and, and what was the word that you were saying? Uh, re Reprioritizing? Repri exactly, yeah. The, the word you were saying. Um, so with reprioritizing your life, This is really a good, uh, good example, but also being, looking at yourself and being self-aware about how you behave um, is, is funny because it makes yourself a better person. Um, so it makes, it's, it's almost like you want to be, you want to be good. You want to be, uh, behave and you want to be a good role model. And, and it's funny because it, It, again, this this will make you a better as well as a better creative, you know, because you want to spend the time that you have more efficiently at the same time, because you want to spend time with the family, but you want to also push forward with this job. So this this will help you to set the priorities straight. You don't procrastinate as much. At the same time, you want to push forward. You know, it's kind of like. It's like this crazy balance, like uh, what you call it, like the with the ballet dancers when they have to, you know, do the split. Is it called the split? Mm -hmm. It's like doing a split between two chairs. You know, one chair is like spending time with family and kids, and the other is spending time for you and work. And yeah, I, I didn't. I, I still would say that I didn't find the golden way yet. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. still searching. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if there's a golden way. Uh, or the right way, but uh, it's uh, it's a big, big challenge. Mm -hmm. I, I There's a, a thing from Jim Rohn that he talks about this, and I think it goes something like this. The, the story is um, a person is at work, and they, they miss their kids and their family, and so they leave work early, but they grab some of the paperwork with them. So they leave and they come home. While at home playing with the kids, They're thinking about the paperwork and the things that they have to finish. And so they steal time from that. And what Jim is saying is that that's really no way to live. So when you're at work, do your work. And when you're home, be a parent. And mm -hmm. don't mix those two up. Because one, you perform poorly at work. People at work think, oh, you left early. You're less efficient. And when you're at home, you're really not present anyways. So it's mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of segregate segment those two worlds a little bit so that give give your best at work and give your best at home so this mm -hmm. is kind of like a philosophy of like no compromise a lot of people think life is about compromise like between you and your partner you and your children work and and family and i think this dilutes everything and you just become like average at everything mm -hmm. so the, the the agreement that my wife and i have is i'm at work i'm focused at work unless there's an emergency or something really critical at home I don't, I don't, don't send me like little photos and little text messages about what somebody is doing because it's hard for me to finish work. And I will also, when I come home, I'm done with work. So let's mm -hmm. not talk about work. I just want to put that away. Okay. Now that's an ideal. That's not always easy to live to. I'm just saying that that's a philosophy. Now I'm realizing here that 
I don't have a ton more time talking to you because I have another thing I have to do. So Robert, I want to talk about a little bit about the future in terms of like where you see your life and how you're making adjustments as you're learning and course correcting as your children are going to get older and older and you want to spend more time with them, especially because they become more interactive. They, they have a similar interests as you and, and you can throw them around or you can you can um, play basketball with them or whatever it is that you want to do. You go swimming. So they become much more interesting humans as they get a little bit older, right? So mm-hmm. what kind of adjustments or plan or observations do you have about where you're going and as a parent? So the foreseeable future, uh, so the next couple of years, I think things are going to change and certainly things are changing already and we can feel the change because they get older and they get more self-aware and they can do more things on their own at the same time they we can we can share things we like so for example two weeks ago uh we bought a tent um so a, a whole camping equipment we went out camping um just last weekend so we, we try to find things that make us both happy so both us parents as well as both the kids so we we try to spend time together where we are both enjoying the time and spend quality time and not say like, okay, so this is only something that gives me pleasure or gives her pleasure or just the, you know, just the kids pleasure, you know, for example, going to, onto a, a playground, you know, of course you can have fun at the playground as a parent too, but it's, it's kind of limited, you know, it's like, you don't want to crawl through little things all day or, go down the sled all day because it's made for kids essentially. So we're trying to find things where all four of us can spend time and have fun doing that. And um, obviously sports is going to be going to be next uh, in the next two, three years, maybe um, when Elias can play soccer or basketball and, you know, we can spend one or two hours on the court, uh, both be happy doing that. Um, we already do a lot of swimming together it's it's a lot of fun for all of us. So so these are the things that we we're trying to do um, that will where everyone will benefit from it. At the same time, it's a very good point that you brought up with when you do work, it's work time, and then you you just spend all you know, like all the energy that you have on the work time, and you know be efficient on this. At the same time, not to carry work home. I must say I find it difficult because as a creative. It's, you know, the mind is always on. It's, it's for me, it's, I'm still working on finding that off switch. Um, I find myself thinking about things a lot of times, unfortunately, because, you know, you're trying to find the next big idea for this project or something didn't work out and you're just trying to figure out a way and, and sometimes it pops up in your mind and it's frustrating. So I'm trying to, to find a, a balance and, and I'm, I'm st- I wanted to start meditating. Uh, I don't know if that's a thing uh, I'll be able to do. Um, I downloaded the app Headspace. I've used it like three times and I keep forgetting it. It's like it's like a new thing. I, I need to get used to it and I need to to ease into that. But it's it's definitely on my list to meditate and, and find inner a better inner balance that makes me more calm and more self-aware and more aware of the moment. And so this is something I'm looking forward to, to be more more focused and more attentive about the right now. Hmm. Good observations. Okay, so I, I heard something from Art Center professor Harold Garrison, and it really helped me to solidify and crystallize a philosophy that I had, but he articulated it so well. He said a lot of people talk about work-life balance, and that's, that's probably what this episode is going to be called, right? But for him, he thinks about it as work-life integration. So he mm-hmm. says, if you imagine a box and you, you cut the box into four equal parts, one might be work, one might be things that you do for yourself, one might be for your partner, and one for your kids. Mm-hmm. Something like that. So personal goals, professional goals, your relationship with your partner and your children, and that people tend to kind of compartmentalize. And I know I'm guilty because I just said to like do something well and focus on that. But something that's been interesting that's happening to me now is he says that if you fill up each box, there's no rule to say how big each circle can be in the box. So then mm-hmm. when the circles start to overlap, some magical things start to happen. For example, mm-hmm. with you personally, when you do 
motion design work, that's a work goal, but it also fulfills a personal life goal. So when you're doing projects that you love, like say Star Wars uh, fan film, then mm-hmm. your work and your personal goal overlap really beautifully and it makes you really happy. Mm-hmm. So much so that you're willing to spend extra time and energy and your own, own money to make it. Now, maybe your partner is out of this, but your kids, if your kids grew up loving Star Wars and they were featured in the film so that they're playing out roles for you, with you, or they're helping you do a composite or something, mm-hmm. then those three boxes start to overlap quite a bit. So I'm looking for now maximum overlap. And mm-hmm. another Jim Rohn thing is like, if you if you look at the ant, the ant is a very humble and a very kind of honorable and admirable insect in the world that during summer and spring when most insects are grazing and eating and playing and being joyful the ant works because fall is coming and of course winter is coming so the ant has stores of food and can relax in peace and kind of be able to thrive in their colony while other insects are dying Mm -hmm. so for me in the early parts of my career when i had our first and then our second child I was still really focused on work. And the Mm -hmm. long-term plan wasn't clear to everybody. It was sacrifice now. So this was the summer and the spring for the winter, which is now they're in their teens and I get to travel the world with them. Like yesterday, we decided we wanted to watch a movie at 1030 to watch Spider-Man Far From Home. Mm -hmm. And we booked a ticket. We were like one of eight people in the theater. And I was just sitting there watching them. I was holding my youngest in my arm. It's like... This is pretty rad. It's Wednesday, middle of the day, and I get to do this because I've designed my life so that Mm -hmm. I have this freedom now. So Mm -hmm. my wife was basically their primary caretaker for one through 10. Dad wasn't always present. But now, 10 and up, I'm really free, flexible. We're working together. We're talking about how to cut their videos, how to post on social media, explaining certain things to them and introducing them to all the things that they might fall in love with. Who knows? So Mm -hmm. I think first you start off with work-life balance, and then you might migrate to work-life integration. If you can do this, I think if all your areas overlap, you're going to be a really super happy person. And at the end of the day, that's wealth to me. Absolutely. I mean, it's a very good metaphor. And it's a I I remember hearing it from you before. um, I don't know what it was on on maybe on one of the episodes Work-life integration is a really good point. And, and this is something I did poorly. Um, I kind of, you know, I was, I, I, I'm my own boss, right? But I developed, I was so, um, I was so into doing like work and I was so disciplined, which is a good thing. You have to be disciplined, but I was so disciplined that it was, that it almost became like obsessive. Like, okay, I have to be in at nine, 9.30 the latest and I have to, um, I don't know, I have to work until six to get this done, even if something, even if there wasn't something that had to be done, it was like, okay, this is work time, I have to be work. Whereas now, uh, since a few, since a few months, actually, I'm, I'm trying to shift it around. Um, funny enough to be more like it was before kids, you know, when I was like, you know what, it's a sunny day. I'm just gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna play basketball or just go out and I don't know, integrate times differently not to be in a very schematic way of okay work has to be done from nine to five and so yeah sometimes you know what why don't i start working from i don't know nine to to midnight uh but have a beautiful time in the early afternoon and go swimming with the with the kids because it was super hot and so i'm trying to shift that away and and really really enjoy the privileges you have when you're your own boss and you when you're a freelancer of course the job has to be finished on time keeping the deadlines but at the same time taking the freedom that you have and integrate it as you say into your into your life so this is something i'm i'm really trying to um to work out somehow <laughs> so it's a it's a it's a challenge but um yeah i, I try to to make this and obviously if you're if you're happier doing this this will translate over to to everything to your work as well as to your family yep okay that was awesome i would love to talk to you a little bit more robert but i have to start preparing for my next thing 
it's been a real pleasure talking to you. And I think if more people, more creative people, especially someone like yourself, who's an independent person working uh, based out of Munich, is that where you're at? Correct. Based out of Munich. And you and I are having this conversation across oceans and talking about parenting and things that aren't sexy topics to talk about. And but is long overdue so that people have some sense of like, here's how Robert's doing it. Here's how Chris is doing it somewhere in between or something totally different works for them. And neither of us are in this position where we're saying this is it. This is the one true way. I think we're both just trying to share openly and honestly about our struggles, what we've learned in the past and where we still have ways to go. And Mm -hmm. if you think that this is going to be helpful, let us know. Send us some feedback. Uh, Robert, where can people find you on the Internet? Uh, they can find me on my website. It's uh, ranitsky.com um, or on Instagram. It's uh, Ranimator, so HR Animator, or on Twitter, which is HR Animation. Are you more likely to respond to a question or a comment on Twitter, Instagram, or on your website? Uh, most likely it's on Instagram. So okay. this is where I get messages and where I gladly reply to messages. And also feel free to check out my YouTube channel, where I also reply a lot for tutorials and stuff. So the YouTube channel is not going to be about parenting, though. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe you want to DM him on Instagram or just but definitely check out his work on YouTube. And that's probably what YouTube.com slash what? Robert Ranitsky. Robert Ranitsky. And the H is silent in Ranitsky. Robert, Correct. it was a pleasure. I look forward to having more conversations of this and other kinds of topics with you. And we'll see where this uh, journey takes us both, okay? The pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Robert Ranitsky, and you're listening to The Future. Thanks so much for joining us in this episode. If you're new to the future and want to know more about our educational mission, visit thefuture.com. You'll find way more podcast episodes, hundreds of YouTube videos, and a growing collection of online courses and tools covering design and business. Oh, and we spell the future with no E. The Future Podcast is hosted by Christo and produced by me, Greg Gunn. This episode was edited and mixed by Stuart Schuster with intro music by Adam Sanborn. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by giving us a rating and a comment on iTunes. It's a big help in getting the future message out there and it makes us feel good too. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.